Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Uh, welcome to episode 117. And yeah, you get two back to back lamps. Back to back lamps. Courtesy of John Irwin, this this back-to-back schedule has been presented by you, John. <laughs> another, Jonathan. Another, another shout out <laughs> to our guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm not bitter. I just pick scabs for years. <laughs> but it's on the surface, it's not inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, here we are. So, uh, we're talking about? Yeah. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Uh Taika Waititi's first Oscar movie, um, an Academy Award winner. We don't care about Academy Awards though. Did it win? What did it win? Or is it a nomination? I should have looked this up. I think it was nominated. I don't know what, it, it may have won something like best paper costumes, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did have that. It's Best fat German child. Yep. Goes to Jojo Rabbit. So Brian's looking this up. He wants to know yeah. if, what it wins. Academy Award for Best Writing Adapted Screenplay. Oh yeah. No, it won Best Picture. Did it really? Yeah. I apologize. Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Best. Yeah. Those are three. Who knew? It got Trace. This this tells you how little I pay attention. I know. It doesn't matter, does it? It won Best Picture. Are you sure? Yeah, right there. Academy Award for Best Picture. That's nuts. I I normally would expect to th- know that. So, I apologize to all our devoted LAMP followers for not knowing what the Oscars did or did not do. <laughs> I think that just, I tried to find a Pulitzer, no, a National Book Award winner that I recognized. I had to go back to the 70s and I read, <laughs> I read books. So, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, that we'll, we'll just say that that's similar. To that's similar to the situation. Okay. Yeah. So, today you'll find out, uh, we'll talk about caricature. You'll also find out why Hitler's not the only made up character in this movie. Other such fun things. I feel like I un- unraveled a couple questions watching this. Did we did through. we get sent questions by this one? We got three. Okay, good. Let's start yeah. with those. Okay. So, um, we're actually going to have... Molly says she uh, really appreciated it. Um, her only question has to do with the Yorkie character who can never see past the lies. And that one I feel is like our great... Our, I feel like I figured out Yorkie this time for the first time. Yeah? Yeah. Um, He's fake. Right. Yeah. So he's not real. He's the he's the optimistic version of uh or I guess what Jojo wishes he could be if he were a child in the army. Is that the right way of putting it? Yorkie tells us all the way through the movie what exactly he is because even in the first scene when they're in that tent together, mm-hmm. Yorkie says he says I guess I'm just a boy inside a fat kid's body. Yeah. Which is funny but it literally is Jojo inside a fat kid's body. And then later on, interesting. Later on through the movie, Yorkie, you know, in the middle of the scene when there's death and destruction yep. everywhere, he meets Yorkie, and Yorkie says, "It's almost like I can't die." Yeah, <laughs> and he also, I think, has bullet holes in the back of his. It's hard to tell. Yep. Yeah, it looks like he's been shot in the back, but he's what, still in his little costume and he's still optimistic. And, yep. Yeah, and then and then at the very last scene, you know, I think the and the real tell too is that Yorkie knows things that um only jojo knows right, right. so so he right. knows about his mom being hung 
and yep. uh, you know some. I think I think that's the final tell. But I did not pick up on that the first time. Watching I didn't either. I've watched it. A, I watched it a couple times. Um, I'd say probably time two. I had him pegged as uh, ba- not not as fictitious, not as a projection, but as the uh, as a projection for the creator as a projection for the for the director for taika yeah so like okay so he is he's playing this role for jojo that you just described as opposed to jojo's creation yeah and that's that's really interesting because that's that's not it's not something i had at all yeah so it's that's fun that that gives me another reason to watch it again it makes perfect sense it actually clicks really well it goes that was that was the spot i had him in but i had it there for taika's benefit as opposed to okay jojo's creation it makes complete sense Uh, he also doesn't get you know uh yorkie's the one who goes and finds him in the woods to tell him things are okay you Mm -hmm. know none of the other boys do it just and the reason of course is because molly asked that question how come yorkie doesn't ever stop buying into lies and so those are two interpretations one taika's i think you're right yeah, I think you're right. It make it makes sense that he would. Uh, I mean, the, you miss it because that JoJo's talking about Hitler is his best friend. Is like his best friend, right? And so you kind of you kind of miss that because here's his actual b- best friend. You're seeing, you know, yeah. fake best friend, actual best friend, and then realizing. I think I think you're right. I think that it is a stack of schizophrenia basically <laughs> right this kid is so lonely yeah that and that he needs to make up not only hitler as a best friend but a real kid as his best friend yeah i'm i'm gonna need to watch it again because i'm i'm really curious what would push the other direction um i'm sure there are things that could in there that would kind of make the the contra case right and it's the way these things work is this is not to say this is the case here but there's also iterations of scripts and drafts and Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like, what is the what is the movie now? But are you picking up on the ghosts of what it was in a previous draft? Interesting. And they decided like, no, 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 that's too much. Let's he's real, <laughs> but then there's still yeah residue. I don't know yet. I'll, I'll have to go watch it. But I do th- what you're saying makes complete sense to me. I'm going to have him as a fiction, but he but, is this fictional. Uh, you know, he, he's like the pure, this hilarious you know, pure version of Jojo. Yeah. Uh, minus the, you know, the fitness, obviously. Right. <laughs> He's but always optimistic. Just yeah. a sweetheart. Yep. <laughs> just yep. a little sweetheart. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. And I really, I really do like this film. Do we get any objections to it? So that was a question about Yorkie's character. Um, yes, we did. Um, so, Maris wrote me saying, I'm the person who started watching it and quit because it felt so irreverent right. to be handling this topic. She said after her kid said, no, this movie's great, and we picked it as a lamp club, she went back and really liked it, but does feel like it's on that knife feels, edge. Feels guilty. <laughs> yeah. It's on the knife edge of uh, um, a, a knife edge of falling into, well, she wanted to ask, what are the, what are the pitfalls associated with using a caricature? like that for Hitler. But I think that kind of gets to the movie as a whole. And her suggestion was, do you think it's because Elsa, Rosie, and Jojo are so well acted and so complete full characters that it allows Klinzendorf and, um, you know, Hitler, obviously, to 
kind of rotate around the real human core. Okay, so A, real quick, not the real Hitler. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, that, that's a first big, the first big thing is this is a important to deluded, complete. brainwashed little German boy's dream of Hitler. Yeah. Which is very. Functionally his dad's stand in too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which is, it's a very different thing. So the question is in narrative, why can you be this satirical? Why can you be this, you know, this much of a parody? Right. Because we see that with Rockwell's character too. You know, it's like we're, yeah, you know, we're, we're leaning really hard in there. Glinsendorf. Yeah. But we go, we go kind of in a weird life is beautiful slapstick direction. It was like German shepherds, you know, it's like, this is, we've got these really super basic who's on first level yeah. humor where I just misunderstood you. Right. Um, and the Hiles where they're all hiling, oh, yeah. hiling each other in a circle. So, round round. so, so funny, <laughs> which is all very Monty Python, very, yep. very slapsticky. Yeah. So the, the, the thing I love about this movie is its combination of flavors that would not normally show up in a film. And, and this is one of those, one of those things I think storytellers need to learn is when they're trying to write realism and they write something that's humorless, they're not writing realism. Mm. When they're trying to write comedy and there's no real stakes, they're not writing something truly comedic. Um, and so we have a, a history of like, hey, this is where we put all the funny things. And so, you know, you get a comedy, you know, watching a comedy is like having somebody hand you a, a little bottle of donut sprinkles. You know, like, and you're not getting the donut. You're not getting anything. It's just here's a bottle of donut sprinkles. We're gonna tr we're gonna be hilarious. Yeah, it's never quite as funny <laughs> <laughs> because contrast and surprise and inappropriateness or apparent inappropriateness, the unexpected is a huge driver of humor. And so right. once you're just sitting there expecting, we're just here for the donut sprinkles. You end up with comedians getting more and more foul because they're trying to shock you or mm -hmm. or give you the unexpected. Um, and this is different we're all sitting here watching a world war II Holocaust movie mm -hmm. and it's the stakes are very real. This has only ever been hand handled with Schindler's list level of Salempna, you right. know, it's like a lot of gravity understandably. And it takes somebody like Taika Waititi to show you a, a picture that is in part, at least more accurate, like more honest. Germans were people. They were brainwashed, petty, idiotic. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, you know, they were human beings who were duped and then bought in tons of them, you know, super evil. But this is, it wasn't all mustache twirly. It wasn't all cape and beret and, and melodrama. They would be joking and they would be laughing and they would be clumsy and they would be stupid and little boys would be morons and they're just. Right idiots and this kind of the thing that's funny is this kind of patronizing condescension of a caricature is a more vicious criticism of yeah. the reich than you know man in the high castle yep you know it's like where it's just so you know so so serious and so so right. heavy it was serious and heavy we all know that the consequences were serious and heavy but yeah. how do you get there this absolute pettiness mm. so which is more honest about the clown that hitler was you're right you know something that's you know valkyrie or something that's jojo rabbit right and it's it, it's a balance it's a combination so i've told people for years i've told nsa students like 
I've always heard people talk about what a great rhetorician Hitler was or very effective or whatever. It's like, but really was he? You know, it's like he was a match in the moment. And yeah, he obviously like created this cultish nightmare, but he didn't create all the ingredients and he didn't create the chemistry of that volcano. Yeah. You know, that was all building up post World War One. And he he showed up. And how does God tell stories? And this is ultimately what this podcast always comes back to, is in the most serious cataclysm and conflict and tragedy of of the previous century, right in the middle of that century, we have this the world in the balance, you know, genocide, horror upon horror. It's just awful. It's as bad as it gets. And here's this character with that haircut and that demeanor. Yep. And God gives him that mustache. Yep. Like he draws on that mustache on, on the statue. It's like it, there's just this flippant disrespect of Hitler right. already. He's, he is a, he's begging for Taika Waititi's What's What's funny is Hitler, Hitler cut that mustache off because it wouldn't fit in his gas mask and then kept the little one. You know, he did it to himself because he had to and then thought, oh, this looks pretty good. It's kind, like of, my, in, kind of my in, thing. In real life. <laughs> it's kind of my, this is kind of my signature. And he's not wrong. It became his signature. No one ever will, <laughs> will get to. Uh, Charlie we'll Chaplin, we're sorry. You're not coming around again. You know? And it's, it's funny because I've heard uh, Nate, Nate Bargatze talks about this, a comedian where he talks about. Uh, you know, Halloween and and like, oh, kids love pirates and they love dressing up like pirates. You know, they love, I think it's Nate Bargatze does this bit. It's like, you know, we're like, oh, you're so adorable. You, you little murdering rapist. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> these, these horrible, horrible yeah. people, these monsters and killers. And we're like, yeah, we're going to dress right up as that. And he's like, and he goes on and he's like, there's a, you know, they, they want to change. They want to, they want to dress as fill in the blank, they, the devil. And we're like, oh, you're so cute. Mm-hmm. You're dressed as Lucifer. You're dressed as a murdering rapist. And then some kid's like, I want to be Hitler. And you're like, no. <laughs> you're like, just no. <laughs> like, no. That's, that is still all the way out of bounds. You right. Know, that's just, no. You can be the devil, but you can't be Hitler. Right. And that's, that is hilarious. Yeah, but I like funny. the fact that we have created this like Voldemort, he who must not be named. It's not like I'm advocating for having little kids dress as Hitler. I don't think they should. I also don't think they should dress as the devil. Just for the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we create this, you know, Chernobyl zone yeah. around it because it's that big a deal. And that sets up a director like Waititi to come in and yeah. really make his story stick because it's so out of bounds. Because yeah. he is so quote unquote out of bounds, it's striking and unexpected. It makes you see the moment differently than you would have otherwise. Right. And um, when we're thinking of other silly World War II movies, uh, it's interesting to me to compare this with Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a bad film that is just leaning into... Jewish revenge, wish fulfillment. Right. Um, which is si- similarly um, silly in, in certain aspects. In some ways, yeah. Yeah. And then similarly, of course, Ho- um, what's it? Hogan's, Hogan's Heroes. Heroes. Right, we have we're familiar with silly World War II things, and actually, there's there's some hat tips to Hogan Heroes in this okay. for sure. In, in JoJo, I, I've never watched it. I just know what's his name, Clink. I guess yeah, it's it, because it's the only uh, it's the only other like slapstick Nazi thing other than Hitler in the springtime. You know, right. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, but I, all that to say, we're not afraid of those silly stories. 
it's actually, I think that Taika Waititi got so serious while mixing those in that yeah. makes everybody uncomfortable. Because we're fine with Hogan's Heroes. No, if he, that's the point. If he had just said, here's all the donut sprinkles, we would have been okay. Yeah. The fact that he does a powerful human story set yeah. in a horrific moment. Yep. And then adds the slapstick is more like Life is Beautiful. Yep. And Life is Beautiful. Another movie told from a perspective of the kid about yep. something that a kid can't fathom. Yep, exactly. And yep. that's another great film. Yep. And uh, and the slapstick behavior of the of the father in Life is Beautiful is one of the greatest touches. Yeah. 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 So it it really is uh when you're it makes it that much more potent when people are still people, they're still human, and they're still in that case, they're still being funny in the face of destruction. They're refusing right. to refusing to bend and break that way. So that one, that one I love. I really, I really do love that one. It's got some, it's got some uh, little quirks and issues here and there, but it's a pretty great film. And Jojo takes it and executes that kind of a narrative on just a high wire act of, yeah. of character work. And I don't know if, if, if this was the first time you've watched it in that final 35 minutes, when he starts dropping the emotional beats, like, yep. The mom followed by Elsa followed by their yep. reunification. Though those that's a powerful thirty minutes. Yep, to it is. Up. And the, and setting up like really good craftsmen setting up the shoe tying. Yep. You know it's like and and how are we going to really land on this mom loss? Oh, but tying shoes. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah. It's like really you're going to yep. pull that off? Yep. He's going to pull that off. It, it's. He's it's got, he's got, you know, he has a, that other scene where her, she's up on the embankment dancing, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and we're used to seeing her feet at that level. And then yep. when he twerks that and puts it in a different situation, wow. But know, also, that, also <laughs> his inability, JoJo's inability to tie shoes. And yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's just like, yeah, it's rugged. Yeah. So that one, that one's brutal, but the Scarlett Johansson's performance is phenomenal. And also the weird grief that she's masking. Yeah as she's dealing with the loss of a husband and having a son who's a little devoted Nazi. Yeah. And trying to deal with that. Yep. Is incredibly difficult. And then of course our our Jewish girl, I forget her, I forget her Elsa. Yeah, I forget I forget the actress's name, but oh yeah. She did a fantastic job also. And it's you know, it's it's great. I mean, it's just it's just a really, really well made right. film. I mean, even down to the level, so Klinzendorf as a hilarious, yep. hilarious flamboyant Mm -hmm. You know, I I never thought I wanted to see a Third Reich, you know, flamboyant soldier. But you start to root for this guy big time. Oh, he's the third emotional beat in that yeah. final. Um, but even down to the fact that the left side or the right side of his body is always, he hasn't quite managed to, he hasn't closed the buttons on his shirt. He never can see people raising their hands to the right of him. So that, uh, yep. what's her name? The comedian and the yeah rebel yeah uh, rebel yeah she's he's always spinning around <laughs> looking for her so down to the level of like he can't even do his buttons on the right <laughs> she's, side she's got some hilarious beats <laughs> he can he can walk the clones that was one of the jobs it's babies for Germany <laughs> eighteen uh, so oh, yeah. funny eighteen babies so <laughs> but yeah though that those little touches I, he does a great job of not explaining yeah like just just presents yeah and. And if if we're being honest, also, like okay, there's a there's a flamboyance, but there's it's kind of it's kind of delicate when you in our day and age when when you're like yeah, and also you Nazis are gay. There's a mm. there's this is gay. This whole thing is gay, but mm. and it's 
but he's a good guy. But then there's the weird cultic, you know, the yeah. weird K- cultic acolyte who's really into him. And then there's this, yeah, the the homo undercurrent that's just it's hidden away right. far enough that only older kids are going to pick up on it. And right, then it's and it you know it's it's an added part of the criticism and it's an added part of uh, the criticism from the filmmaker's perspective. Yeah, I was. I don't know. I saw some notes somewhere. He's got like two iron crosses and several like, so he's like a highly decorated yep. German soldier and this is what they do, which is kind of the theme of the movie. Yep. You know, it looks like everything's great, but the Third Reich is crumbling and underneath yep. there's just this bubbling current yep. of what are we doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. A uh, couple, couple other questions here. So the guy who gave Jojo his name, Jojo Rabbit, Simon asks, uh, one of our devoted Canadian soul food listeners, shout out to, to, to the Canadians. Canada. <laughs> uh, Way asks, to go, Canada. <laughs> asks us, uh, he gets the Jojo Rabbit chant, then you see him in a truck heading off to the front and then the truck comes back empty later. Yep. Simon was wondering why did they kill that guy off? Uh, why wouldn't they? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I guess I maybe Simon, you wanted it to be more. He wasn't direct. terribly. He wasn't terribly interesting. He just he adds a note. You know, he adds a, a different note. So there's all this goofiness for the younger boys, but then there's just the straight up cruelty and evil. Sure. Yeah. You know, like so the actual killing of the rabbit. Yeah. Right. And so you you have the the cruelty and the evil, and where does it go? Like right. It, it goes off to be destroyed. And there's a sense in which you can't dodge around that. Like no, you can't. You can't pretend like it, it didn't exist. That was right. massive. That piece. would be a pitfall of the caricature not working. Yep, it's just a. It's just. Uh, we all know that it needs to be acknowledged, but every other movie's told us that. Yeah, you know. So having that character and having him play that role and being goofy and mean in his cruelty. So it's not like he's, you know, he doesn't look amazing. He's not powerfully built. He's just. Right. Just really bully. cruel. Just He's just a, really yeah. petty and cruel and vicious. And and we all know that aspect of, of Yeah, the two characters know. that foil each other there would be that Hans character and then also the very tall Gestapo yeah. guy. Yep. Um, who describes the same way, petty bureaucracy yep. going to their heads and loving the fact that everybody's having to hile him and all his guys. Yep. Yeah. Um merchant. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole line of as it. they're just passing it around <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and and that's a perfect example okay we're really scared right now because we can't have them find out what we're doing in this house but they're spending all their time hiling each other <laughs> <laughs> and then at the moment the beat when Klinsendorfen comes in and they do it all again I don't know that's yeah. good stuff it's <laughs> just really it's, good it's just pure John Cleese right yeah this it is, is yeah. YTD tapping into the John Cleese inspiration of his childhood or something uh, Simon wants to know also if the moment of JoJo's transformation is complete when Elsa asks who won the war and he says we did. Uh, I think Simon's misreading that though because that's his final betrayal, right? Yeah. JoJo's final moment of doing the wrong thing. He's doing the wrong thing and it is the right thing. So there's this layer of it's, – it's kind of like a really simplistic version would be uh, – you know, I'll, I don't remember where I've done this, but I have done this, where I have a character, you know, cry out to God by means of taking his name in vain. You know, mm, where somebody yeah. is somebody is just reflexively, you know, yelling the name of God, mm-hmm. and it has the effect of 
of uh, a prayer. God receives it. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like it's, you said his name. Yeah. yeah, and so there's you can have a character's intention, and then you can have the the one tier up. What's the intention of the film? Yeah, and so the intent the intent of the film when he says we did is he means you and I did. We did. The film is there. What Jojo means there is that last betrayal where he can't quite let her go yet. Right. And so Jojo's intent is, you know, we we did. Germany did. Yeah. You know, you have to stay with me. You can't leave me. Right. Because he thinks he is even more lonely than the start of the movie when he was absolutely miserable. Yeah. Right. So he has not yet seen with the eyes of his transformation. Yeah. That so it's his, it's his last mistake. And yet there, there's a layer from writer-director on top of that. Right. So the writer-director's intent is it's it's – a, a, it's a stacked meaning. So yeah. Jojo's flunking. You know, he, he's revealing his affection for her and his desire to not lose her mm -hmm. uh, via a, a lie that is doomed to failure. He knows it's not going to stick, right? Yeah. And so, and then he gets slapped for it. At the so end. his lie is addressed as it should have been. Yeah. He gets slapped, and then the other meaning is addressed by the the dancing in the street, which is fantastic and <laughs> only, only ytd would understand that that would pay off <laughs> yeah. the fact that that paid off is so unexpected because i can't imagine getting there and thinking what am i you know no, what am i neither do to pay i was it gonna it's ask like, you how, some 1960s music and she's gonna dance start slow how did how did he think of that because i was <laughs> I like i don't know it's it's, it's just, obviously he set up dancing really well through the whole thing but mm -hmm. it's very much 40s style dancing you know well, well yeah. i guess i guess scarlet uh, Johansson does some pretty funny stuff, but, uh, but, but David Bowie in German, right? That yep. is hero song translated into German and yep. then singing. I don't know. I, I was just sitting there watching. How does this work? This feels like it's too far, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. And the <laughs> thing is, I, I can see easily. So if I was going to try to reverse engineer it and I would say, if this is how I would get to it. If I were to have gotten to it would be, okay. I want them to dance in the street. Right. Yeah, it's like they're gonna dance. Yep. And then from there it'd be like shifting flavors until you found something unexpected that also worked for their characters. Okay. Because they couldn't just like go Judy Garland on the situation. They couldn't right. you know, it it had to be them. And it couldn't even mirror Scarlett Johansson's personality. Yeah. It has to be a, a culmination of their relationship, these two. Yeah. And so that means it's gotta be awkward. It's gotta be weird. And so then he I just guess David Bowie. And so then <laughs> he just sprayed David Bowie in German. <laughs> and so and then the, the the really slow start, you know, just yeah. like the awkward, There's like a little bit I'm not good at this, and this is I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of weird. It works so perfectly. So I can yeah. I can see having played that out in his head a lot of times. I mean, the way I'll write a scene, not even in film, but in a book, is I, I will nail down my setting. So I'll have my setting fully pictured. I'll have everything blocked, like the character movements blocked, the props, yeah. you know, all there. And then I'll just reshoot it over and over and over and over with variations. In your head. And so, yeah. In so I'm just head, watching, yeah. watching this character come in and do this, watching this character come in and do that, watching the character, watching, okay. you know, if you're walking into a desk and sitting down and, you know, moving the chair and sitting down, refusing to sit down, standing behind the chair. Sitting and then standing, like all these different, like different effects. And what is the person behind the desk doing? What are they messing with? Are they cutting their fingernails? Are they poking a spider with a pencil on the desk? Like what's, hmm. and each of these, and just, and then reshooting it, walking okay. in, walking in and seeing that character do this and then backing up and walking just over and over and over again. 
mm. and until you find that you know kind of the the beat that you think really works and pays off i remember early on before i had any kind of habit yeah um i was trying to figure that out for the end of leap hike and so while uh, writing writing or screenplay writing the novel okay and so the last chapter is called crazy berry and and i was trying to figure out what's a what's the beat like what's the what's the closing beat for these two characters and i put them all sorts of places and eventually they ended up on the chimney of the house you know sitting up there and i was like yep that's okay the two of them sitting up there looking over the valley you know they're they're as high as they can get they were stuck low so i need them to go as high as they can go and so they're at their highest point they could possibly get at and what are they doing like how do they do this but i needed some i i got to like okay we need some sort of sacramental thing and then i ended up with them having this old fermented juice box called crazy berry that's like way past its sell sell by Okay. And so <laughs> I love it. Which okay, which that character had, and so then I like okay, so we're gonna have that, and so then I back all the way early in the story, and I start seeding that, and so I seed that prop, gotcha. and I seed that thing, and I I give it meaning because he's been saving it, mm-hmm. he's saving Crazy Berry, and then you know it's like and then we end up sitting on the chimney at the very end, and we pass the Crazy Berry. So when I look at something like Taika Waititi mm-hmm. and these two kids dancing the way they're dancing, I can only assume. You know, I don't, I don't know that his process is anything like mine. I can only assume that he got to dancing mm-hmm. and then needed to find the right dance for these two awkward characters in this awkward moment that was also his sign-off. Yeah. So, it also had to be him, the filmmaker, the, cr- the creator signing off. And I right. think that's where the Bowie came from. And the time breakage and everything else. You know, we're theoretically in the 40s. Right. And then jump to, what is yeah. it, 70s or 80s? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's good. More questions about that. I heard Taika saying that he you have to be a lot more patient when you're shooting with kids, which yeah. makes sense. How many times do you think, like, can you like, how much time would you devote to that dance scene? I, I guess obviously you can't tell, but is that something that you'd have to do over and over, or do you just try and get the actors in the right frame of mind and then just let what happens happen? I don't know. That yeah, one it's, just it felt- totally. It would totally depend, okay. and it'd be, it'd be really fun to see an interview just about that. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised, like Clint Eastwood always rolls cameras and so his actors don't know when the cameras are on or off okay and so he'll rehearse and there's there's a lot of people will imitate that where he has the actors work through scenes when they don't think it's being filmed or they don't know mm-hmm. you know it's just okay because then you can sometimes get them very natural yeah and you they're far more relaxed and and you end up with some pretty decent takes okay you know prior to ever actually calling action that way so I wouldn't be surprised if something like that had happened a little bit, at least with the beginning of the dance. Yeah. Where yeah they're just kind of like, getting into it. Like, just feel it, you know, just in <laughs> there kind of yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. Um, but he, however he did it, he did an amazing job because the actors both deliver and kids are really good at pretending, you know, they're, they're pretty decent. There's a lot of reasons you have to be patient with kids on set and that includes unions and everything else. And, Mm-hmm. tutors and breaks and right. all that kind of stuff but he did a phenomenal job and yeah. so the kid actors nice <clears throat> okay and That's it's completely inappropriate you know it's like in some ways yeah you like, mean i i would love to so you know the youtube channel like studio pitch meetings or whatever right. I, don't, I don't know if there is one for jojo rabbit there should be one but it's this is one of those ones where 
Taika Waititi just got to do what he wanted to do, and that was kind of, hey, we're just gonna let we're just gonna let yeah. Taika cook. Where that's it. Yeah. Because if you try to explain this, you try to pitch this to somebody, you are doomed. Mm-hmm. Like you are really, really doomed. Now, well, he had to wait. A, he had to wait a long time. Yeah, but there's a book. <laughs> There's a book, right. but but I've not heard good things about the book. I've not read the book, but I've heard the book's pretty bad. And so, and so. Yeah. And big thing, the imaginary friend Hitler is not in the book. Yeah. Right. So that's what makes this work. A huge. And it's yeah. also funny him, him talking about how he could not get any actors to do what he wanted them to do. Right. So when he was trying to direct anybody to be Hitler that way. No one could. And he kept having to like show them himself. Mm-hmm. And then finally he was like, okay, fired everybody and just put the costume on and he yeah. plays Hitler. And boy, does he play Hitler. Oh man. He says <laughs> a little leaping through the woods stuff. It's just <laughs> Heil me, little man. Heil me. Heil me. <laughs> uh he said one of the trickiest parts about that was actually being in costume as Hitler and directing at yeah. the same time. <laughs> which it, it, it's so funny to watch just him like gotta do this i saw some behind the scenes clips of him like trying to as hitler into a camera telling someone how to say scheisse as a german <laughs> and it was funny to watch hitler i don't know it was such a surreal moment which it fit with the movie yeah that's, yep. that's what it's well to done do. taika waititi yeah. and of course hunt for the wilder people right uh depending on the age of your kids needs a couple filters but yeah. pretty minimal it really shows you all you need to know about what Taika Waititi was going to be as a director. Right. And there's some just magnificent, right. Magnificent comedy in yep. that one. Yep. So good. Uh, and now Ricky he's Baker. been <laughs> <laughs> once rejected. Now accepted. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, see it. Yeah. He wrote, he apparently wrote this right after he did what we do in the shadows. That weird. The I've weird tried to watch that one. and I failed. Uh, I've watched maybe 18 minutes of it. <laughs> the the vampire comedy. Yeah. And even there, there's still things like I could keep going, but it's like. No, I, I hate to say that I watched it, but I'm going to blame. Should I keep going? No. <laughs> no. You got, I mean, it's all the same. Yeah. It's just <laughs> over those, yeah, and just, over and over. Yeah. 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 But uh, that's funny. Now he's been totally marveled. Right. And I have not appreciated his genius so much as it i've not even watched his thor i have heard it's the best but you know what i don't trust anyone who tells me anything about marvel movies i yeah when you think his thor is the best that's just a sign that you knew the thor movies were really stupid and needed somebody to come in and make make fun of itself yeah right so i've not seen it i can't i can't get the nerve up to watch it yeah. I just, just don't so, have I just don't have that much time. The individual so. scenes you can see his flavor and then you think, "Oh, they had him in here just so people would be like, haha, wasn't that scene so funny?" Right. But I don't know. That's not why we watch movies. Not the only reason we watch movies. Yeah, so in general and let it be known, not big Marvel fans. There you go. That's all. I know. We'll probably have to dig deeper at some point. Uh okay. It's so interesting to compare Boy with the striped pajama style. Hmm you know, children's World War yeah. II stuff, which is, I don't know. I have never watched it or read it just because I know what that's going to deliver. Yeah. And it's going to be so tragic. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something that I think he's trying to tell a similar story that needs to be told without having that same sort of, I don't know, tragedy. Do you think that's right? Is he trying to avoid 
avoid the overt pain or just you know a lot of these world war ii movies are just finger i don't, I don't think yeah I, I don't think that he is avoiding it i think he's actually playing it with uh quite well a lot of skill a lot of dexterity okay okay and you know you think about the the heartbeats the actual like the feels of jojo rabbit where it goes mm -hmm. you know where those where those beats hit later uh later in the film they're they're potent yeah they you know, they're, they're potent yeah. beats and they are in part potent beats because they come at you uh in a way that is not manipulative and is not uh what's more of a sneak attack it's not just hey you signed up for sadness and so i'm just going to give you a ton of sadness yeah and yeah and the fact is there's there's a lot of misery there there's a lot of suffering and misery so we can become pretty deadened to it. It's kind of like how much corruption there is in government right now. So it's it's like, oh, we have recordings yeah. of these Eastern European executives bribing the vice president. And we're just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> it's right. like, you know, right. just Twitter files and election fraud and everybody's been yelling everything. And Myocarditis. Just, yep. And we're, yeah. And, and yeah. how many people are dying from the vaccine and what's happening with Jamie Foxx and Right. Of course, they're going to deny it. That's exactly what they would say if it was a vaccine side effect and yada, yada, yada. And everybody's just so amped and right. so inundated with corruption and scandal and whistleblowing. I mean, there's a high level top secret guy whistleblowing on aliens and UFOs to Congress. Oh, we were going to talk about this. And it's not going <laughs> to even it's not going to even hit the front page of The New York Times. Doesn't even make the front page. Like it's a non thing. And neither, like, we've got trans activists going topless, yep. you know, at the White House. Like, we're, it's such a clown world right yeah. now that it's hard for anybody to be outraged. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Your, your outrage nerve endings are deadened. It's hard to be scandalized. It's hard to be upset by corruption because mm -hmm. it's everywhere. So, move to a place like World War II. And think about just the heartbreak and the tragedy. The exact same thing happens. Right. You know, it, it was all Schindler's List. It yep. was all that. It was Boy in the Striped Pajamas. It was Defiance. It was, you know, Saving all Saving Private Ryan, Band it was, of Brothers, Bridge Too yeah, Far, you know, you know Longest just, Day, just nonstop. So, and it it was that way. It was it was that way. So, um, you know, it's like, it's one of, those, one of those scenes in Saving Private Ryan where the guys are sitting there and they're all flipping through the dog tags. Mm-hmm. And they're being flippant about it. And then they see, you know. The division the, of the, the survivors division, yeah. come by. Yeah. And it's like just in that heaviness of like realizing this is real. But you see their deadness. They're, they're deadened uh, to that. That's the problem with approaches like Schindler's List and Boy in the Striped Pajamas now. When you just say, hey, this, this sucked. Now, I think Boy in the Striped Pajamas is a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Just because of the dynamic through the, you know, through the fence. Right. You know, it's like the, the contrast. But at the same time, you know, it's, like it's the device is interesting. But at the same time, it's just coming at you with, hey, do you want to, do you want to suck on a lemon? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I just did. You know, it's not. Right. And I sucked on another lemon yesterday. And, yeah. and then there was that one this morning. And it's like somebody asking, soon, do you want. Can I touch your bruise? And then they just stick the finger and yeah. do it for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, but the, and exactly. And so the the problem with that, the problem is that it loses its power. 
The problem is that it is just hitting that nerve ending until that nerve ending is dead instead of stepping sideways and hitting you fresh. Yeah. Instead of hitting that note when it hits it, hitting it with potency and from an unexpected place and making you feel it in the way you should feel. You should feel that sorrow and tragedy and everything about what went down around World War II. Because you should feel that, mm-hmm. then, then you should not just go after that one note and hit that one key on the piano over and over and yeah. over again because pretty soon you're going to tune it out. And because you should feel it, Right. Don't, you know. I get that. Don't do that. Uh, three three World War II books that try to do that. Uh, Time's Arrow by Martin Amos uh, try, basically tells the story of a, a, a concentration camp guard backwards, right? So, very literary fiction, silly device that only kind of works one time. But he's trying to address that same problem. How yeah. do I tell a story about a villain who actually ended up living his whole life, you know? But we're going to tell it backwards. So, you don't really know till later on where you're heading. So you don't you head, don't head into it knowing it's a World War II book. Right, okay. And then uh, the book Thief and All the Light We Cannot See are mm-hmm. two other ones that yep. feel like they're trying to dodge some of that. And uh, all, all the light you cannot see is successful for a while. Yeah. And then just loses its own uh, yeah. world. The fabric of its own mythos kind of unravels, but. And that one's through great. the, I guess through the blind girl, I guess. So that love story. So the, yeah. and it got into same similar criticisms right because Werner if I'm remembering his name right and the the blind girl their relationship or it ends up basically it kind of ends up going nowhere and there was this mystical piece the 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 tone and their relationship the tone in the the mystery of this girl memorizing the streets of Paris and everything else and the contrast between these two kids yeah um the contrast drawn between these two kids just kind of goes nowhere and yeah and uh it definitely fizzles out yeah but it's the bigger thing for me with that book, and this is done just to get way off, is that there's this whole mystery of this mythical thing. This like there's like a, a magical realism piece that's never paid off. See, I forgot it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we don't have to talk about this one. <laughs> I, I forgot even I forgot even the yeah, but you're right, there was. There's this gem and this, you know, like Right. There are a few sections I just forgot. And it's like, like and that was awesome and it was setting up something cool. Then what's it gonna do? Where is it going to go? How is it going to pay off? And it just doesn't pay off. Mm. But it's, but I think it's still a really impressive book in many, many yeah. ways. Um, but yeah, with with JoJo, you will feel a completely different way about that period of time and about those humans than you ever have watching any other World War II movie. And I think your claim about being more accurate um, probably holds up on other levels too, because I know the reason it's so bright and colorful is because of the research that Taika did and yeah. you know, trying to say, hey, at this time, uh, 1930s, 40s Germany was very fashionable and, yep. and really brightly colored. And so he moves away from the palette of yep. gray, which is kind of the World War II color. The, the Grimm's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, into something that's going to look, it's going to contrast with the decay underneath instead yeah. of us all being... I always like Swing Kids also. Okay, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to write it down. That one is, and that's just kind of like a, a teen movie that I enjoyed in high school and we've, I showed my kids and we've kept up. It's just a, it's just a fun uh, tale, a little pocket tale of resistance in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, resistance among those people who love swing music. Yeah. You know, so it's not talking, it's not, 
it's aware of everything else, but it's not getting into everything else. It's just focusing on the pressure cooker on these specific kids who are all friends because they love Benny Goodman. Okay. You know, and it's, uh, you know, and that Jewish music. Yep. So I think uh, um, Snow Treasure is another one of those where mm. it's just about the kids basically smuggling gold out of yeah. whatever, whatever was Norway. One of there's, those. A, there's a lot. There's, it's funny how many stories there are. Yeah. It's like just unending and so many of them are great there's a ah, i wish i could remember which regiment this was i think it was a regiment but it was the asian regiment you know where it was mm -hmm. like then they threw together all these pacific islanders and mm. you know and japanese and korean and and just broadly you know sort of broadly asian all lumped together okay <laughs> and they they could not stand each other and there's all these feuds and fights and and everything and everything else in between in inside yeah. yeah um they then i believe if i remember correctly i'm trying to remember the name of the book i actually was looking into uh option on it like man who owns this i know somebody owns it but mm. uh, it was i think i believe they saw more combat than any other unit wow not unit sorry right i'm pretty sure it's a full regiment but well the um but it was the thing that really brought them together was the internment back home. So they were all okay in, at war, right? In combat, hating each other, you know, and just feuding amongst each other. Then all of their families got interned stateside, right? Our and own, our own little concentration. And then, camp. and then suddenly, their demeanor and their attitude and their their bond with each other all changed. Interesting. And that was the you know the journey they went through. So. I need to look at it more closely. I don't remember how many guys this was. Are we talking about, you know, a thousand? Are we talking about five thousand? Are we talking about right. five hundred? I don't remember. It's been a, it's been a long time. But those kinds of stories are just everywhere. They're yeah. all they're all yeah. over the place. Band of Brothers, Guadalcanal, right? You know, those those things are everywhere and crazy. And so I, I appreciated watching something like Jojo Rabbit that because I have seen and admired and and been all about so many of these. Uh, just was a completely different flavor. Yeah, completely different color palette, music palette. Yep, approach everything else. Yep, and that scene where he blows himself up is still <laughs> one of the greatest moments of comedy. <laughs> the captain goes, "Don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good. It's a good little movie. Yeah, and I think hopefully that's a wrap. you all watched it. Yeah, I think that's a wrap. Uh, and next up escape from pretoria right different flavor uh that one's gonna be a lot of fun so a south african apartheid jailbreak movie wow something you didn't even know was a taste but it is it's a flavor it's a thing it really happened it's a true story those are good and it's a uh, it's one i really really enjoyed so check it out Awesome. We're running low on questions too. If you want something discussed or we'll, we've got plenty of things to talk about. Aliens. I know. But, I actually, uh, I know I have well, true confessions. I look, apparently I have a LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I never look at, I don't know the password. Um, but I've been told by people that they try to reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I don't really know how to look at messages on instagram occasionally i do but it's like maybe once a month like once a month or so every now and then i'll respond to somebody and i realize like oh i just saw this because it came in like 30 seconds ago and they get like a 30 second reply 
And then I'll I'll see, hey, I'm somehow in this message folder and there's all these messages, like <laughs> so many messages for for months. Anyway, I apologize. I know I've been getting questions. I know I've been receiving questions. I've been told now that I've received questions on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to read them. You have to try you have to try harder. <laughs> My kids get their Luddite skills from someone. Mm, there you go. And it's not their mom. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, until next time, we'll be talking about Escape from Pretoria soon, but next week, something else. Something else. You know that now is the time when I like to thank you for being a SASF listener and also show you something cool that we've been working at uh, at Canapress. And what I'm holding right now, if you can, or if you're only listening in audio, you won't be able to see this. You'll have to listen to the sound. But if you're watching on Canon Plus and if you're a subscriber, you can see I'm holding a Christ is Lord box. Go to ChristIsLord.com to see why we're trying to put up a billboard that says Christ is Lord in your area and why that's making certain sad sections of the internet very upset. Of course, it's true. And so we got some fun stuff inside. Again, if you're just listening, hear the wonderful sounds. We got stickers. We got bumper stickers. We have, yeah, they say Christ is Lord too. We've got a wartime songbook. But of course, the most important part of this box is the Mere Christendom book, which I have to say is one of the most pretty books you're going to see. Check out that foil on the cover, the elegant cross on it. And of course, a signature from Douglas Wilson. What is Mere Christendom? Well, basically it's the declaration of the book that Christ conquered the West the first time, and this is how he's going to do it again. So Christislord.com, buy the book, check out the billboards and enjoy. You know that now is the time when I like to thank you for being a SASF listener and also show you something cool that we've been working at uh, at Canapress. And what I'm holding right now, if you can, or if you're only listening in audio, you won't be able to see this. You'll have to listen to the sound. But if you're watching on Canon Plus, and if you're a subscriber, you can see I'm holding a Christ is Lord box. Go to ChristIsLord.com to see why we're trying to put up a billboard that says Christ is Lord in your area, and why that's making certain sad sections of the internet very upset. Of course, it's true. And so we got some fun stuff inside. Again, if you're just listening, hear the wonderful sounds. We got stickers. We got bumper stickers. We have, yeah, they say Christ is Lord too. We've got a wartime songbook, but of course, the most important part of this box is the Mere Christendom book, which I have to say, is one of the most pretty books you're going to see. Check out that foil on the cover, the elegant cross on it, and of course, a signature from Douglas Wilson. What is Mere Christendom? Well, basically, it's the declaration of the book that Christ conquered the West the first time, and this is how he's going to do it again. So, ChristIsLord.com, buy the book, check out the billboards and enjoy.